everyone, to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. Today, I'm joined by Joel of Abnormal Bliss. You can find him on BitChute and also on Odyssey. And we've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit. He, I think we found each other on Odyssey. Uh, you live sort of near me, and you have a compound which you're basically developing, which I'm personally interested in at least visiting for a time, if not, you know, you know being a part of what you're building there for who knows how long, right? So uh, I mentioned in a recent video that that basically I saw there were three ways of getting off grid. One was kind of like you know the the van life, and there's what I'm doing, and then there's kind of what you're doing. So I, that's kind of like the main reason I want to give this as an example. So, anyways, welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so I'm just going to tease this right at the beginning. I don't know if you would call it a ninjutsu master, but a ninjutsu something, right? I mean, you're basically yeah. an expert in in ninjutsu. Well, I have I practiced it for I want to say about eight years. I went out to Japan twice to train with the the grandmaster and and his shihons out there, and you know I need to practice it more. But that's something that I was offering people that were willing to come out to the compound. Um, mm. Just kind of threw it out there that hey. You know, you can learn ninjutsu because it's all part of self-defense. And I really like it because there's a lot of like mental self-defense aspects to it as well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of talks about the the community building, right? Because, you know, you can have like a, you can get your own off-grid property and you can build it up and stuff like that. And a lot of people can have their families come and live there. And I know you have some of your family there, but you're also interested in like actively getting other people to come to the compound and to be a part of the community and that community, not just being just like growing food and building things together, but like self-defense, right? It's like, we need to defend ourselves. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like just the mentality of self-defense is it, it, it's more than just, you know, being able to stand up for yourself. It's being able to provide for yourself. It's being able to have, you know, self-control and defend yourself from your own emotions at times, because um, that's something that everybody struggles with at some point. Um, but I think right now, what I see is the most important aspect of it is, you know, being as self-sustainable as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so we'll talk about, I hope you'll come on again and we can talk about the ninjutsu stuff more in de- detail, because that's actually a pretty interesting topic to me. Yeah, but the, for the compound stuff... Uh, I think a good place to start would just be like, how long have you been there and what kind of made you, before you bought the property, what made you start looking? Well, it was something my family in general, we had, we were kind of entertaining the idea of a family compound and I kind of entertained it with my friends as well that, you know, they've got family compounds and if we have kind of this network of family compounds all around the country, then that could be I think beneficial and especially with what we see going on in our world today and mm-hmm. came about New Mexico. Uh, I'd say about a year ago, we found the property a little over a year ago at this point. And uh, once my folks got out here, we just immediately started building, you know, prioritizing on their house for right now, mm-hmm. but also was really, really focused on getting a garden established and getting a coop established so that I could have chickens here as well. But even during the time being between then, I felt like it was important to reach out and talk to other people because, you know, you don't have to do everything yourself. You can just 
just having skills in general is something that you can offer the community that people are going to be willing to look at as trade. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you guys, I, I thought actually you'd been there longer. I'm surprised that you guys have got as much done as you have. I mean, you basically already built the house, right? Yeah, the house is up. Um, I mean, right now I'm finishing up the second floor. I've got all the stick framing done down below and I still have to do the solar part of it, but it's still something, uh, there, there, there's quite a bit done on it. Um, myself, I've actually been here for about four years because I came out with my bus uh, and stayed on a friend's property in Guadalupita for the first three years that I was here. Oh, you still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, uh... Uh, I think it was me. I lost connection. Did you lose oh, connection okay. too? Um, no, you're, well, you just, it, you, you disappeared. So I wasn't sure, um, whose end it was. I'm honestly used to it being on this end of things just because of how iffy the service is. Um, gotcha. but yeah. Okay. So you were talking about the house and how you basically finished it, except you're working on the second floor. That's where I last heard you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So we, we, my folks have been out here and we've been building for a little over a year now. Um, cause it was last May that they arrived and that's, we pretty much jumped right into it. Um, myself though, I've actually been out here for about four years. Um, cause I, I came out here with my bus, um, and met some really awesome people in a little area around Guadalupita and they let me stay there for three years. And really that was kind of the beginning of realizing how fruitful of an area this is quite literally too. So, mm -hmm. so, so you basically kind of started with that van life type thing. So did you, yeah. when you bought your bus, was it just a bus or had someone already set it all up and everything? No, it was just a bus. Um, I it didn't have seats in it. So that was one of the benefits of it because, you know, that's a lot of work to get rid of all those seats that are in there. Yeah. Um, and it was basically being used as a van and I took about six months to build it into what I'm living in. Now the solar setup was definitely a work in progress though, because I started out with a smaller system. The first winter it did okay. Um, it did fine. Actually it was fine. Um, and it wasn't until I came out here during the summertime that I ended up getting it built up to where it is now. And that, that bus, like you have like a little wood stove, like, like a full yeah. cast iron. I don't know what you would call it, but it's like a real wood stove. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little stainless steel stove and um, it's actually pretty convenient because the way I installed it. Oops. Man, our cell tower just keeps going out. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you're talking about the wood stove. Yeah. It's, it's just a little stainless steel wood stove and I have it set up in a way to where I can break it down in the summertime so like for right for instance right now it's basically all folded up and self-contained and stashed under my bed which is convenient my bus isn't the largest of living spaces so every little inch counts so is this like a special ed bus or like a, a full length or uh, it's 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 an odd shape that at least from what i've experienced it's not quite the short bus um but it is a shorter bus so, like, the, the height of it inside is what your typical full-size school bus would be, but it's only 24 feet, which really, I found, was made it much easier for, uh, made it much easier for, you know, maneuvering around in towns and things like that. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I was driving around, I, I went all the way up to Kansas to visit some friends and drove all around the, mid, uh, the Midwest for uh, probably a good 
month and a half or so until I finally ended up landing out here in New Mexico. So sounds like, I mean, the bus is basically all you need. Even when you got to the property, that's the, that's the same thing that you live in now. Like, do you see yourself eventually building yourself a house? Not a house. I'm kind of, kind of stuck on buses really. <laughs> nice. So I, I, I do have a full size bus, uh, a full 40 footer that once I'm done building the house for my folks, uh, that's what I plan on turning into my own living quarters. But it's kind of on a back, that, that whole project will be on a back burner because really I've gotten pretty used to, you know, the size of the bus and mm-hmm. just living in with, it's, it's just right for one person and, you know, a dog and a cat. So it works out pretty nice. well. Oh man. Sorry again. <laughs> I got, I got, got, it might hit us a few more times. Okay. So the bus, mm-hmm. you live on it, you have a second bus, which is big, which you may kind of build out into your, your main thing. So I think that's pretty cool. I think I, I really liked living in a truck and, but you know, it would be nice to be able to walk around and that's kind of one of the yeah. nice things about mm-hmm. a bus. And so like, if I ever go back to living in a car, like a bus just seems like the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice, and re- realistically, usually you can find them. Um, you can find them pretty reasonable. Like the bus that I, like my black bus that I live in now, you know, it still runs and drives, and I picked it up for you know under four thousand dollars. Did you get it from a private person or like from an actual like school bus company or something? I got it from a, a private person out in Colorado when I was still out there. Nice. Yeah, I had an old girlfriend. Her her dad ran like the whole busing system for several school districts for many years. And he, he said that, you know, you could basically get a, a really decently actually running bus, you know, cause they maintain these things pretty good. It's older, but it's running really good and they'll give it away for super cheap. I don't remember what he was saying, but I would guess less than less than two grand really. I mean, they're just, yeah. they just have to get rid of these things. Yeah, they really do. I, I have a friend out here who lives in Taos who I want to say, oops, <laughs> looks like you're enjoying yourself out there okay. oh, it's pretty nice. i have a little bug screen set up and so it's uh i'm not feeding the mosquitoes tonight <laughs> yeah sweet i wish i had one of those right now it, it, the mosquitoes will be out in about an hour but right now it's all those little gnats do you get those little gnats sometimes especially after like a rain like we had today i can mm-hmm. see hanging out on the other side of the screen there so nice yeah, yeah they like to fly right into the ear <laughs> like you know i don't want to kill you but i just i can't resist you know you're crawling right. in my ear making loud noises anyways okay so i got a feeling that the cell tower is acting up so we may i may try and shorten the conversation a little bit just to save us that that pain but i am i'm, I'm kind of interested what was the three years or two or three years where you lived on these people's property because that's you know that's the kind of thing that people are kind of may come and do on your property so and you you were probably inspired by that experience to offer it to other people so what was that experience like for you it was honestly the it was exactly what i was looking for i think that's the best way to describe it because the way that i would always approach people when it came to finding a place to park my bus was basically to say hey i've you know i can do this i can do that i've got a pretty wide range of skills and i was always willing to offer them just for a place to park and these folks out, out out in Guadalupita were the first people that I met that I didn't feel like they were keeping tabs on me. Mm-hmm. Like a very balanced relationship. You know, they respected um, my privacy, which I'm not 
too private of a person to be honest with you but just the fact that you know they basically kind of gave me a part a part of the uh their property to park on <laughs> Sorry, man <laughs> what are you eating there these are a little it's, it's a wild spinach that grows out here and since we've had so much rain they're coming up and when they're when they're young like this they're good right out of the ground so nice kind of snacking here and there <laughs> so i i don't know i don't know whether the recording records much of what you say after I, you got cut off but basically you you were saying that you basically were able to live basically pretty privately and and mm-hmm. i've lived on multiple farms and there's always some level of expectations on all the ones that i've kind of been on before of like hey you know you kind of are like a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit at our beck and call. And like, if we need you to do something or, you know, or, you know, we might just come by and check on you all the time. And and it's like where I am now, it's like, I can go, you know, almost a week, you know, sometimes staying on here, even though they're, you know, 30 feet that way. And I see them doing all their stuff and they see me over here, but you know, sometimes, you know, it's that long before we even really interact. And so it's a nice, but at the same time I'm helping with the garden and I come and help them with things. And so it's like this really relaxed, super relaxed situation, which I think is the ideal. So it sounds like you basically had that. Yeah. Very, you you just pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one. It was just like that. Um, and, you know, really, they were just looking for someone, most importantly, to just that could be trustworthy and be there because there's an elderly woman staying at the proper on that property. Mm-hmm. And so at, at the time, her son and daughter were still involved with their careers. And so they just needed somebody to be there. And, yeah, it was it was a very it was a very balanced relationship. You know, it's like if they, if there was something that they needed some help with, they would ask me and. I, I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not much of a procrastinator. And so when I go to do something, I get it done in a fairly quick fashion. And mm-hmm. it, just like you said, honestly, it was, it was very balanced. And, you know, that's after experiencing that myself, that's really what, why I've been kind of reaching out to people to come utilize our property in the same way to help people get off grid. <laughs> okay. So I restarted my phone. Hopefully that's going to solve the problem. So Basically, you were talking about how you were inspired by your experience on that other that other place to basically offer that same opportunity. So uh, you, I think you've been offering that opportunity on some of your videos that you've posted. And, and you've also left some comments on my some of my videos, I think. So I'm wondering, what are you what what are going to be your criteria? Right. So, first of all, what kind of skills do you want people to have? And also, what kind of a mindset do you want people to have? Well, I've used the term before, an asset of a person. And I think, like, I'm not really considered about anyone's particular skills. Um, Personally, I think it's kind of more, the more open you are to learning things and, you know, contributing what skills you have. And as you learn more, just finding out ways to use those on the property you know, it doesn't even have to be necessarily for me. Like I would welcome somebody to come out here and build a cabin up on top of the hill if they wanted to. Um, but really just kind of that, because I've, uh, I think there's just as I'm looking, I'm kind of putting it out there to find people that are an asset of a person. I think there's also the opposite of that liabilities of a person as well. Yep. And I think it's, it's, it's more of just, it's more of just that mentality kind of like you said before, uh, before, 
So, because I think just there's some people that just in general want to contribute, and I, I think just if you have that attitude in general, you probably have some life skills that you've acquired that would be valuable, um, not only for yourself but just to help out here. I mean, honestly, like my garden is doing really good. I've never had a garden before in my life. This is the nice. first I've ever done. And it's it's happy. My potatoes are happy. Getting happier. I dug one plant up yesterday or the other day and only got like two potatoes off of it. So I'm going to wait a little later. But from my personal experience, I've kind of found that, that, that the more you're willing to just kind of try something, you'd be surprised some of the skill sets that are just kind of, I don't know, maybe intuitive in people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it seems like my experience of, of living in different places and also kind of as a profession, like a side profession, I kind of have this thing where I will go and work with a kind of usually an older guy, right, who who was like a handyman or was in construction and he still likes to do things, but he's not really able to do everything anymore or or just needs someone else there to help with certain things. And for me, that has been a really good way to you know, learn all of these skills, right? I didn't need to go to a school or anything like that. I just learned yeah. the skills by doing it with, with some guy who's been doing it his whole life. I think that's a really good way to look at it too, personally. That's kind of the way that I've tried to live my life. I've recognized that, you know, the world's your teacher. And on top of that, will introduce you to new teachers if you're open and receptive to that. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually very kind of almost happenstance is how I met my martial arts teacher um, the skills that I acquired when I was working in restaurants are, were there because I was able to recognize people that knew what they were talking about and, and or knew what they were doing. And I've, I've very rarely met people that aren't willing to share their skills to help you learn something. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's universities and colleges out there that I think are looking to pay for that or charge people for that kind of knowledge and experience. But when it comes down to individuals that just know their stuff, they're more than willing to you know, just pass the knowledge on. Yeah. Uh, it's almost, I don't think they're almost desperate to desperate's not the right word, but it's like, they're eager to, you know, it's like, like yeah. something deep within them feels like that's really important. And the world is kind of set up in a way so that most of them don't really get that opportunity to pass down their knowledge. And so the ones that do have someone coming along, who's willing to help them out, and um, to actually learn something, I think is probably it's it's going to be beneficial for both people. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I think that's part of being a good uh, being a good teacher is you you're still a receptive person, and you'll probably learn a lot just in the teaching process, both directly from who you're who you're teaching skills and indirectly, but for other various ways that are probably unseen at the time. Mm-hmm. So you. I want to get back to the garden. So I'm curious, what else are you growing besides the potatoes? Well, I've got uh, I've got some onions. I had some garlic that was growing inside of my bus because I didn't eat it fast enough, and I went and put that in the ground. <laughs> and it's growing really good. And I've got a row of the the three sisters growing as well. And Wait, so actual good. corn? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just starting to tassel on me. Some of them are sweet. So, and I just kind of went big. Like I just, I planted a bunch of everything and was very happy with the yield that, well, I guess I couldn't say yield at this point because I'm just starting to get some squash and zucchini from them. But 
like I was saying, everything's, everything's growing. It's on the up and up. And, um, I only took, I only did those two rows this year because the whole water is being gardened off of a rain catchment system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I first got that constructed, we were still in the middle of, I mean, we're still in a drought technically, but we hadn't gotten any rain at all. And so yep. I only planted two rows out of the six that I have turned because at that point I was actually putting a water tote on the back of my truck, filling it up down at the well, and then bringing it, bringing it up and filling the other water tote. Okay. So you, you were talking about the rain catchment system, then you were putting in a water and then it cut off. Yeah. Well, just earlier in the year when we didn't have any rain, I was having to manually fill the tote that I used to catch the rainwater. Um, but since we've actually been getting quite a bit of rain, like it rained for a couple of hours a day and probably collected 70 gallons of water from that one storm. Wow. So it's, I've been pretty happy with it. And, um, on, that seems and, pretty and, effective. What is that? What is the size of the roof or whatever that you're collecting the water off of? It's about, uh, about 18 by 10 feet. It's basically what I made my chicken coop out of, um, well, that, that was the whole point was to make the chicken coop, but also make a, a, a single pitch roof so that I can collect the rainwater off of it. Nice. Yeah, 70 gallons. It seems like that would water it for quite a while. It's pretty good. I, I've been watering every other day, and I want to say it takes about uh, maybe 15, 20 gallons each time I water. So in, in the future, what I'd like to do is get another tote set up next to it and just kind of manifold them together so that I mm-hmm. can... 275 gallon boat because um, there was a point earlier in the year where the thing was totally topped off and the water was just overflowing and just spilling onto the ground but you know i had what i could fill at the time so yep but, do you do you have other water sources on the property uh we've got we will have our own well going here soon um we're still in the process of getting now the hardware to get it hooked up we have a pump that's totally so- solar powered and we just need to get the wiring and basically uh, they have some lay flat hose that they designed specifically for deep wells like the one that we have. Um, but we also have a we're, we're hooked up to the community well as well. Oh, OK, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that I really worry about here because I have a feeling we're going to lose electricity for, you know, at least a, a, a period of time. You know, I would guess months and, you know. Pretty much we'd be fine here, except that I wouldn't really be able to water the garden, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of a kind of a big deal. Luckily, on this farm, they have one of those hand pumps, which oh, you know cool. t- takes a lot of effort. But uh, so we'll be fine in that regard. I was thinking of buying a solar inverter for my uh, sorry, an inverter for my solar electric bike, so that I could power the the well with the bike because it would have plenty of energy to do that. I would just have to be able to convert it to the right thing, but. Yeah. Your well is just straight solar. That's like what it is. Yeah, it, it is. I, we found a pump. I can't. I couldn't tell you the name. The name brand of the pump, but they have pumps that are. This one's rated up to eight hundred feet, and it's literally designed to be hooked up directly to solar panels. Like you don't need batteries. You don't need charge controllers. You don't need any of that stuff. Which for me was huge because that's usually between the batteries and the inverters are where you end up putting a lot of money into a solar system. Mm-hmm. How far did you have to dig down? 600 feet. <laughs> that's pretty far. <laughs> so it's, well, pretty, I guess that's probably, maybe that's normal, normal-ish. 
Uh, it depends. I have a friend who lives about uh, 12 miles away in a little area called Los Hueros, mm-hmm. and her well goes down 90 feet. So it really is all, I don't yeah. want to say luck at the draw, but just depending mm-hmm. on her, basically. Yeah. And you're you're about a thousand feet higher than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking part of me is like, maybe I'll head up there for the winter, but I'm a little bit worried about your winter just because you have a thousand feet. Like how much snow did you guys get last year? Um, honestly, I don't think too much more because that's one of the reasons that I, I remember saying to you at one point when I was watching your videos last year, I left in a comment. I'm like, are you in New Mexico? Because every time you got rain or snow was when I would get rain or snow up here. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, I recognize the topography. It seemed kind of southwesterny. So um, I don't think we got too much more. I mean, I, uh, we, I one of the heavier snows you got, we um, at least we talked about it through your comments. Um, I want to say we just got like two more inches than you did with one of the heavy snows last winter. Mm-hmm. And, and how, I, mm-hmm. how much colder did, what was the coldest day? The coldest day I remember, I want to say was, it was below zero. I want to say it was about negative six or seven. Okay, that's pretty much what happened here. So sounds like really pretty much the same then. That's yeah, cool. I would say it's pretty it's pretty similar. You know, nice. maybe just add a couple more degrees on the or take away a couple more degrees on the cold nights and throw a couple more inches of snow. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, and really, it, it, it all that kind of depends. I've noticed that out in this area, that the rain and the snowstorms from the winter time were very localized. Like we rarely got these big storms that would cover like this whole district, sorry, just this whole area where I am, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be like a four or five square mile area. They got a lot of snow and then up the road, they only got like a couple inches. Mm. So it's really kind of a crab shoot, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you, where you are is kind of like, if I look on the map, if I was going to pick one of the most isolated places, Okay, what'd you hear? What'd you hear me say last? Uh, you were talking about if you were to pick one of the most isolated places. Oh yeah, so it seems like a pretty isolated place. And so, what is your sense of it? I mean, you're kind of up in the hills, away mm. from any major town. It's kind of, I wouldn't say barren, but you know, it's kind of barren a little bit. So, like, what would mm-hmm. you say? How isolated do you feel? Like, in terms of when shit starts going down in the cities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people start fleeing the cities. you got to kind of be fairly isolated to not get hit by those waves of people. So do you yeah. think that your location is likely to get hit by waves of people? No, I don't think so at all. Um, really, that's one of the reasons we kind of picked this location is because it's far away from any interstates. And I think most people from cities are kind of just tuned to follow the interstate. Okay, you were saying... That it's pretty far from any interstate. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we're 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 I twenty five is about thirty miles away, um, which is a good buffer, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And really, I think just this whole area in general, you know, there's kind of a, I, I guess you could say a lack of services, but I I feel like it's you know you have to be a little more self sufficient, a little more self reliant to really thrive out in an area like this. I mean, we've, there's, we've got lots of wild things growing. Like you've seen me eating this wild spinach. that's at my feet here. Mm-hmm. And 
we've got gooseberries and currants and things like that. Um, but mainly the people that are out here, even in my neighborhood, are families that have been in this area for quite some time. And, you know, they've, uh, they've gotten, they've, they know the land very well. That's a good mm-hmm. way. To- nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a, a, a great situation. Yeah. I, How much- I, I appreciate it from the different places that I've stayed. Cause uh, my, my first winter in the bus was in Montrose, Colorado at about 9,000 feet. So when it snowed, it stayed on the ground for eight months, basically. So <laughs> here it's much more m- mellow. Like even if we get a good like foot, or snow- foot of snow, realistically, from what I've experienced out here within three or four days, you know, it's pretty much all gone and soaked into the ground. Yeah, even in the winter, that, that noonday sun can be pretty drying. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. can be. So how many, how many acres do you have? We have 37 acres here. And nice. Down where we're building is um, an area that's more flat and it's, you know, more fields. And we have some um, kind of groups of trees here and there. And But we also have another 27 acres that's up the hill that's really pretty rugged. Like I've been kind of chopping trails and finding some places to camp up there. Um, but it's one of those, like, every time I go up there, I take a different way to my campground, and then I take a different way coming back because I still don't have a trail established quite enough. That sounds pretty cool. Sounds yeah, like I a place that. I'd like to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> so so I imagine that the where you're growing the, le- growing the food is down in that lower area. So yes. how much space would you say you have for kind of, like, flat space for food? Oh, gosh, if we wanted to do... Uh, I'd say my, my my garden area that I have right now is about 50 by 50. Um, and there's six rows that are all pretty much that length. And I just made it that size because I'm the only one managing it right now. And so I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew. Mm-hmm. But we have plenty of other areas out here. I'd say probably at least a good three or four acres down in the lower part that nice. would be growing food. Sweet. Do you have gophers? We do, but they're staying away from my garden. Really? Nice, yeah. Why do you, why, what do you think is the difference? I Well, I, I maybe because this is probably the first time that there's been a garden in this area on the property. Um, usually the gophers that I notice, or at least the gopher mounds, are all down basically at the entrance of our property where the driveway is. Uh, but they haven't made it up this way, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, I mean, I hopefully have, that hopefully that lasts. <laughs> I hope so too. They my, can my eat cat, a lot of potatoes. Yeah, they will. <laughs> um, if my cat catches them, though, he makes a pretty quick meal out of them. So, so she, your cat will actually catch them. Yeah, he has. I've seen him catch them. He caught some big ones when I was out in Guadalupita. I was kind of impressed, to be honest with you. <laughs> did you have? Did you? Did you have to train him to do that, or did he just kind of come like that? He pretty much came like that but i would say i encouraged it because he'll catch something like there was also a, an orchard that was next to where i was parked in guadalupita and they had a big problem with voles because a vole one vole will ring a tree and so one tiny little rodent can kill a whole apple tree and wow. he went through and every day he was catching one or two of those things and he got he would come in front of the bus with whatever he had caught and call me outside and i'd go outside and pet him and tell him how good he was 
And so he still does that. If he ever catches anything, I can hear him calling for me. He's like, hey, come come look what I got. <laughs> awesome. We yeah. could use his services around here. Our cat doesn't really, I think just, I don't know if they just need to be trained by their parents or just it's a breed thing or I don't know. What, what would make a cat, how would you make sure a cat turned out like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the fact that he was hunting a lot of voles helped. Because I can tell you from personal experience, it doesn't take much to catch a vole. I even grabbed one out of the water one day, and and, and he nipped me on my finger, but, you know, nothing, no harm, no foul. And Nux right there to, to take care of him anyways. But mm-hmm. not to be mean, but they're not they're not that good at staying alive when there's a cat around, basically. <laughs> Are they just big and – I don't know what a vole. Is it, like, just bigger and slower? Yeah, and they don't really they're, – they're they, – they'll they're kind of attracted to tall grassy areas and they'll make these little tunnels that kind of go through there um i had never seen him until i got out to guadalapita we don't have him out here the only thing i've seen like you were saying is the gopher that the gophers live down there um but we have quite a large gopher snake that lives on the property and we actually just saw him for the first time this summer today sweet really cool yeah he's he's pretty big he's about five feet long yeah those guys are impressive (laughs) Well, Sweet. and they're gentle too. He was he was basking in the road last summer, mm-hmm. and I didn't want him. I didn't want somebody to cares, carelessly drive over him, and yep. so I went down to try to catch him, and he actually nipped me on my hand. Really, and I was surprised how. I mean, it was uh, like I had a little because you know they've just got kind of like this saw blade road of teeth, uh-huh. uh, but barely bled, didn't itch or anything, and. I just carried him off off away, and then ten minutes later, of course, he was right back in the same spot. So, <laughs> gotcha. Wow, it seems like a five foot or you know a big snake would, uh, even if it didn't have fangs, still do a lot of damage. That's good to know that. Uh, yeah, you, you can mess around with those things without without too much danger. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty mellow, and I think he's gotten used to us walking around him because now if we see him, you know, we'll just kind of say hi to him and just leave him alone. Cool. All right. Well, I think may want to end it there because I got a feeling that this this internet thing is going <laughs> to keep, keep hitting us. But uh, basically, I think that's a pretty good summary of, of your situation. If there's people who are interested in, you know, getting in touch with you and seeing if you guys are a good fit and maybe coming for a visitor or something like that, how do you recommend that they do that? Well, what I've been having people do in the past um, is basically just feel free to leave a comment on any of the videos that I have posted on BitChute or Odyssey and uh, just express some interest. And then at that point we can move forward and exchange emails and, you know, uh, or phone numbers if it comes down to that, which I hope it does. And as long as I get the chance to meet somebody and talk with them for a little bit, then I'm pretty open to, you know, letting somebody come out here and, you know, see if they can make it work. Um, one thing I always warn people about, maybe not warn people about, but you know, we are totally off grid and we have a few large solar setups on the property, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be able to provide power for anyone that comes out here, which Mm -hmm. kind of by design kind of thing, because that I personally feel like what you said about electricity earlier, that's something that, you know, if if you can provide it for yourself and not be renting it from somebody, basically, then that puts you in a in an advantageous position for sure. Yeah, and it's easy to get like a hundred watt solar panel. Like if you, if you live in your car, like you yeah. can have a hundred watt. I used to 
do slow cooking. I used to cook meat. Yeah. Out of off of my hundred watt solar oven. I mean, I was in the middle of a desert, so there's a lot of energy there. But I mean, a yeah. hundred watt solar panel is going to cost you not very much, less than two hundred dollars. Yeah. And you can get like. Days. Yeah, and you can you can get them so they you know they even some of them will fold up so easy to store in your car you know so um, basically as far as I'm concerned that's well beyond what most people would need I don't know maybe I'm I'm just used to <laughs> more simply than most people you're not going to be able to do a hair dryer right but I mean you you've got it to the point where you you could probably do a hair dryer but you've got like the most intense solar situation <laughs> that I've ever seen, right? For, I, for how small you're... I, I can actually run my 220-volt welders off of my uh, solar set. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm very proud of what I've built with the solar, to be honest with you. It's, yeah. it's very capable. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So I'll give people links to your Odyssey and BitChute channels, and I'll also... Well, I think people can just find it's like in the top, your last five or 10 videos, I think that you do like a little compound tour so people can, can get a look at your, your buses and your solar and your stove and your, and your property. Yeah. Man, <laughs> we were like 20 seconds away. It got cut off. Right. So, so anyways, <laughs> I'll give everyone those links. Uh, thanks for coming on. I look forward to having you on again to talk about the ninjutsu stuff. And uh, thanks for putting up with the uh, inconvenience of having me get cut off. Same goes to everyone watching. So anyways, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Colin. It was my pleasure. Yeah. All right. Take care. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, head on over to moderndaywizards.org. And if you're wondering how can you be a wizard, well, all you got to do is seek truth and share it.